Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, tonight, uh, I want to look at Genesis uh, chapter 3 as we continue kind of a deep dive into Genesis. And we're going to look at the temptation. You know, in Luke uh, 17, 1, Jesus said that temptations are going to come. Temptations will surely come. Uh, some translations might say that temptations are inevitable. You know, and we know that for our day and age. It's a cursed world right now. And uh, temptations are going to come our way. Well, at the beginning, temptations surely came as well. And because of this temptation, and because of the fall into temptation, that's why now we get tempted and we also fall into temptation uh, as well. Now, this particular temptation, it could have been ignored, it could have been overcome, but we know the rest of the story, as the saying goes. And, uh, you know, the temptation seemed to have its day. And last week, uh, I, 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 I took a kind of a deeper dive look into the tempter. Um, and if you weren't here, you can find the video on our YouTube channel, the uh, podcast, uh, things like that. But... Genesis 3.1 describes him as a serpent. He is a created being. He goes by many names and descriptions throughout Scripture. He is the serpent. He is the dragon. He is the devil. He is Satan. And, and you know, when you try, when he, information about him, if you want to call it that, is scattered throughout Scripture. And if you want to kind of puzzle things uh, together about him, he is a creature who was a heavenly being. He was created by God. He is, because he's a created being, he's nowhere near the level of God. Nothing is near the level of God. No one is near the level of God. This isn't, this battle between good and evil isn't like, like the pagan stories where it's a battle between two opposing forces that are of equal strength and you don't know who's going to win. Well, we know who's going to win. God's going to win because there is no one like our God. But this particular creature, he's described as a cherub. Uh, he, he is described as beautiful and perfect on the outside. However, we know that pride and arrogance and wickedness grew up inside of him, and he rebelled against God. And in this rebellion, he approached God's new imagers these, in, in this physical creation. He approached Eve, and then, you know, through her, approached Adam. And, and so he starts a conversation, and he's described as being crafty. He's more crafty than any other created being. And he begins leading others in his same rebellion. He rebelled against God. Now he wants to lead others in this rebellion against God. And so we looked at the serpent last week. We want to look at his crafty way of how he tempted, how he led astray Adam and Eve. And we learn a little bit about temptation too because guess what? His tactics haven't changed. His tactics haven't changed from the beginning, but the thing is, they keep working. And so maybe we can learn something in, in, to prepare ourselves. I want to read verses 1 through 7 in Genesis chapter 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest, lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So here's the serpent. He approaches the woman. He starts a conversation, and he starts the conversation by twisting God's word, by misrepresenting what God had said. And so he asks this question, well, and you know, the way that he, he phrases it, 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 it is to start causing doubt in her mind. And that, you know, he still does that too. He'll take God's word, twist it a little bit, and then start creating doubt. Doubt about God, doubt about his goodness. He says, well, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God say you can't eat of any of these trees? I mean, it's a deliberate twisting of God's word. I mean, putting doubt on his goodness, putting doubt on his provision for them. I mean, and then he, by doing that then, then he, he's moving them to start, well, moving Eve, but as we'll see later, I mean, Adam was there with her, but, you know, move, moving so that they're, they're focused in on what they can't have rather than what they can. And he's casting this doubt. It's like he's saying, okay, Eve, why would you want to serve a God that holds out on you? Why would you want to serve a God who keeps things back from you? He doesn't want you to eat from the trees. He doesn't want you to have something good. He's holding out on you. And so here the serpent is laying the groundwork for the actual temptation. He's twisting God's word. He's causing doubt. He's questioning God. Now, Eve could have just walked away. There was obviously something different about this creature compared to the other creatures that they knew. And so Eve could have walked away. Adam could have stepped in and protected his wife, but none of those things happen, and so Eve decides to interact with, uh, with the, the creature. Eve decides to answer the, the creature. And, you know, sometimes we, we do that as well. And there, there's some Bible verses that are helpful here because we think, oh, yeah, I'm strong. I can, I can hit temptation head on. Yeah, bring it. I'm, I'm strong, I have great faith and things like this, but that, that's not how the Bible tells us to deal with, with temptation and these, you know, when, when Satan attacks and things like that. Um, some Bible verses that are helpful here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says to flee from sexual immorality, but, you know, flee from any temptation. And then James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee uh, from you. And so something to remember, you know, maybe a lesson learned of where Eve went wrong and, and you know, maybe we can do a little bit better than that, is that when evil and wickedness come our way and temptation comes our way, we flee from the evil and we run to God and we submit to him. And it's through the power of God that we resist the devil. It's not like we are not as strong as we think we are. Oh yeah, I can resist it. I can, I can do that. I can stop any time that I want but I just don't, or I just don't want to, you know, something like that. And, and, and so if we flee from the wickedness, we run to God, 
And in his power, we resist the devil. The devil has no choice but to run away and, you know, uh, like a dog with, with its tail tucked between its legs. He's got he's to run away. He's got to flee. Now, Eve she, and Adam could have fled. They could have submitted. They could have resisted, but they, they didn't. And now Eve, I mean, the focus right now is on her. She decides, you know, to engage the enemy in her own power. Now, at the time, she, I mean, got to give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, at the time, she didn't know that he was an enemy. But, you know, she, she's, again, interacting with him, doing things in her own power. Don't ever think that you can take on the enemy in your own power. He is too crafty. He is too strong. You cannot. But she was engaging him on his terms. She, you know, he set up the field for battle, so to speak, and she engaged him on those terms, on, on his field, instead of just letting God deal with him. And so here she comes, and she's engaging with him, and she tries to correct the serpent. At least she tries to correct how the serpent had stated, stated things. But as she's correcting the serpent, she doesn't get it necessarily right either. Not that she was trying to twist things around, but, you know, she was adding things and omitting things. And, and by not handling God's word correctly, she opened herself up to what the serpent was leading her towards. She, was, she opened herself up to following his train of thought and the path that it would lead. Um, as one commentator noted, the serpent had succeeded in drawing the woman's attention to another possible interpretation uh, of God's, uh, God's command. And so because she didn't handle it rightly and he didn't handle it rightly, you know, she, she was following his path. Because God said in, in Genesis 2.16, you may surely or freely eat of every tree of the garden. And when you look at how Eve answers the serpent, she omits the words freely and, and every. And those are important words because they're, they're showing that God gave abundance. God gave freely. There was much there. There was freedom to eat of all of these trees. You know, there could have been hundreds, thousands, I don't know. But there was a whole lot of trees that they freely could have eaten from. But she omits that. She omits the abundance of God. And, and so now it, 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 she's walking down that path and the focus is going to be on the one thing that she cannot have. You have all of these trees you can eat from. Yeah, but there's that one in the middle you can't. So instead of worrying about all those things you have, Focus in on the one thing you can't have. He's, that, this is the way the devil works. He's undermining God. He's undermining God's goodness. And then in Genesis 2.17, you know, God said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Surely. And Again, Eve omits some things and adds some things. She omits the description of the tree because, you know, God says that it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, it's an indication of why they shouldn't eat of it. It was the reasoning behind the command, and she omitted the reason. 
And by omitting the reason, you know, she's ignoring the reason and thinking that it's not important when it really is. Because by eating of the tree, they would come to know good and evil apart from God. They would come to know good and evil apart from his word. They would experience the difference between good and evil, and then they would start determining for themselves what is good and evil instead of just trusting God and allowing God to define what is good what is evil? Instead of obey, obedience, they, cho they would choose disobedience. And, and so she just kind of describes it. Well, it's this tree that's in the middle of the garden. Right smack dab in, in the middle. And by, by ignoring its purpose, she, she ignores its importance. And she's belittle, belittling God's reasons for the command that was, that was given. But then, you know, she adds something too. She says that you can't eat it and you can't touch it. Now, I mean, it's not recorded that God ever said, you know, you can't touch it. And it really seems like an innocent addition. But you know what? It may, it may have further muddied the water. Uh, and, and, and Satan may have used that, you know, to, to kind of make his argument. Well, I mean, if you can't even touch it, that's pretty strict there. God's being restrictive. He's holding out on you. And so we have to be very careful to rightly handle the Word, to rightly handle it ourselves. And we see that done correctly when Jesus was tempted. Satan, the serpent, tempted Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He answered every temptation with Scripture, handling it rightly, not adding to nor taking away from what God had said. And so it was a powerful way of battling those temptations. But if, if we omit God's word, we twist God's word, we're not rightly handling God's word. I mean, we open a door for the serpent to bring his own interpretations and, and lead us down uh, a wrong path, lead us astray and, and uh, uh, to tempt, tempt us. And if you think about it, that's where a lot of false teaching comes today. Because it's not that they don't use Scripture, it's that they're twisting it just a little bit here and just a little bit there, just enough, you know, to open, to open up the door for Satan to do even some more twisting and, and leading us astray. The most, some of the most dangerous lies are the half-truths. And they're, they're, they're twisting... They, they twist things, and then it, it's going to lead you down this path. I, I forget where I saw it, but I saw this video of a preacher uh, the other day, and I, I'm assuming they, they were Methodist or Episcopalian because they had that. I, I, I'm Baptist, so I, I, it, it was a scarf thing. You know how some stole? Okay. Well, there you go. Y'all know better than me. So they had that on, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking it's a more liturgical church. Again, Methodist, Episcopalian, you know, something. Maybe Presbyterian, I don't know. But, you know, they had one of those on. But why I, I um, point that out is, okay, you know, at, the, at each end, I mean, it had the cross. But all up and down it, it was the rainbow. You know, and so meaning that they were LGBTQ affirming. And, but in, in this clip, the, this preacher was preaching about how we conservative folk 
have misinterpreted John 3.16. And he was making the case, rather poorly, about why Jesus is not the only way to heaven. And I don't have time to refute him, although it's like, read verses 17, 18, and 19. But anyway, you know, he started compromising, he started twisting God's word in one area. The whole LGBTQ thing, right? He, he, He decided that it was okay to twist God's word so that that lifestyle is not considered sin. Well, that opened the door to go down the path that, well, you know what, I'm just going to ignore all this other stuff too. Jesus isn't the only way. So when you mishandle, start mishandling one area of God's word, it's going to lead down this path of mishandling a whole lot of God's word, and Satan's just going to drag you right along. Well, you know, that if, if that part of the scripture isn't true, you know, this part of Scripture isn't true either. Oh, and then you know what? Let's, let's ignore this other part of Scripture and things like that. So we have got to be careful to rightly handle that. But, and, but Eve opened a door, and the serpent walked right in. And, um, you know, and he, here's the lies. Here's the temptation. It's because then he, he says, okay, Scripture has been twisted now. And he says, well, guess what? God lied to you. You're not going to surely die. Because God knows that if you would eat of that one tree that you can't have, you know, forget, ah, forget all those other trees you can't have. That one tree you can't have. If you eat of that fruit, your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to be like God. Or it might even mean, you know, you're going to be like God's. But you're going to be divine you're going to be like god and and you're going to know good and evil you're going to experience good and evil and well frankly you can determine good and evil as one author describes what the servant is saying he's saying that god is not good and god is not gracious he is selfish and deceptive and, and he's preventing the man and woman from achieving the same position that he has of being elohim being god of being divine and, and, but you, you notice something here. The devil mixes lies with half-truths. I mean, half-truth is a lie anyway. But, you know, he, he's, again, is just subtly twisting God's word. And that, he's crafty, right? It says here, he is crafty. He says, you're not going to surely die. God lied about that. Well, I mean, they didn't die physically immediately, but they did die spiritually. A twisted half-truth. The serpent said that their eyes would be opened and know good and evil. Well, it says in here, actually, in our passage, that their eyes were opened. But it wasn't opened in the sense that he was talking about. It was kind of ill-gotten gains. They learned knowledge apart from God. And, and you know, obviously, the lie that and you know, you're going to be like God That is never going to happen. But by coming to the knowledge of good and evil on their own, I mean, you know, they they said, well, 
we're going to do what we want to do. Our will takes priority over God's will. You know, it doesn't matter what God wants, it matters what I want. As one author warns, whenever one makes his own will crucial and God's revealed will irrelevant, irrelevant, whenever autonomy displaces submission and obedience in a person, that finite individual attempts to rise above the limitations imposed on him by his creator. You will be like God. You are his imager, but you will never be like God as God is. And and, and so herein lies the temptation. God is keeping you from being autonomous. God is keeping you from making your own decisions. God is keeping you from having freedom. And so, you know what? You need to take the bull by the horns and control your own destiny and seek to fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your dreams and your wants and desires. That was the lie of the devil. What's, I don't know if weird is the word, sick, is that that is the same pop psychology garbage coming from a bunch of pulpits today. You know what? God wants you to fulfill your dreams, and he's there to help you fulfill your dreams. The devil, you know, it's, the devil doesn't have to tempt people because he's got a bunch of half-baked pastors out there doing it for him. You know, God just wants you to fulfill your dreams. God wants you to be the best you. God wants you to be in, in charge of your own destiny. Wait a minute, I've heard that stuff before. That, that's the same stuff that came out of the serpent's mouth in Genesis 3. We've got to be careful. But after, you know, the serpent said what the serpent said, guess what? Eve focuses in then. Eve is focusing in on the one thing she cannot have. And then Eve's imagination took over from there. And then the temptation really starts to take root. And, and it's interesting, when you, when you see this description of, you know, it's a description of what's going on inside of Eve, what she's thinking and feeling and, and, and things like that. This, this tactic that the serpent used just is the same thing that goes on now. Um, the Apostle John, he, he, he calls it the way of the world. You know, he, 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 he makes the, the distinction between the world and the spirit. You know, Paul, he talks a lot about the flesh and the spirit. The Apostle John puts it as the world and the spirit. And, and this is how uh, John describes the world system doing its thing, trying to lead Christians astray. In 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the world system, all this stuff in the world system, the desires or the lust of the flesh, and the desires or the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's of the world. So you have the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Now, take those and compare it to our passage. Our passage says that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was good for food, the lust of the flesh. 
and that it was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. Things haven't changed. The same things over and over again. But we notice, though, that these are her evaluations. You know, again, God originally was the one to determine good. This is good, you just follow my commands. But Eve, Eve decided to take over that role, and she determined for herself what is good. You know, you, you, you read Genesis chapter 1, God said this is good, and this is good, and this is good. God determines good. And now Eve says, well, you know what, this tree that I'm forbidden to have of its fruit, it's good for food, it's good to the eyes, it's good to make me wise. I say it's good. I don't care what God says. I say that it is good. And she took of the fruit. By the way, it doesn't say it's an apple. You know, it's strange. that We don't know what kind of fruit it is. Could have been a pomegranate. I don't know. But, you know, it's just a fruit. We, we always picture it as an apple, but it's just a fruit. And she took of it, and she ate of it. And then what did she do with it? She took a fruit, and she gave it to Adam. Where was Adam? You know, it's kind of, that's, that's our new book. Instead of where's Waldo, where's Adam? Where was Adam? She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You know, you wonder where Adam was at this whole time. He's staying silent. He's keeping his mouth shut. Or he, you know, he's just, he's not talking. Of course, you know, I, I, I can relate. I don't, outside of preaching, I don't do a whole lot of talking, it seems. But it, it where was he? He was there. Because when, when the serpent is saying you, you know, when he's talking to Eve and saying you, you shall not surely die, you you, it's plural. In southern y'all. He was there. What, was it, what he was doing while he was there, we have no idea. But he was there. And so he heard the conversation, saw her eat the fruit. She hands him a fruit, and he's like, oh, okay. And, and, and does it too. That plunges all of humanity into a curse, and you know, we'll talk more next week about that, the interaction that they had with God, but they fell, they sinned, they broke God's commandment, they are now lawbreakers, and they deserved immediate death. And Adam is our covenant representative before God. What happened to him is passed down to all of us, his guilt is passed down to us, the guilt and the shame, you know, it, it, it talks about now, oh, you know, they were naked, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, they realize that they were naked, and, and they wanted to cover up. It's a description of shame and guilt. They, they had shame, and they, want, they wanted to try and cover up their own shame. And as, you know, we'll see next, next week, um, that don't work. You can't cover up your own guilt and shame. God has to provide for you, and he does. And, um, and that's, that, that's the thing. In spite of a broken law, God still shows grace and his eternal plan to redeem a fallen humanity is set in motion. 
I mean, it, it was, it's a plan that's described elsewhere as before the foundation of the world. So God, are, God already knew this was going to happen. God already had the plan in place, salvation through Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, God, this is bad. This is very bad. And yet God so loved. You know, I, I will say the right meaning of John 3.16. God did so love the world that he gave his only son or only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life it doesn't say whoever believes in buddha doesn't say whoever believes in muhammad doesn't say whoever believes in krishna doesn't say whoever believes in a higher power doesn't say whoever believes in name whatever other philosophy or religion you want but whoever believes in the son shall not perish but have everlasting life. Here, they died. They died spiritually. They died eventually physically. But through Jesus Christ, life is given again. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.